if you're going to start your own design firm, especially younger people, be willing to work, learn the software. You know, it could be life-changing and you know, it can be great, but expect the first couple of years, 12 to 14 hour days. You got to know what it's going to do to your sleep schedule, your family schedule, your health. I mean, everything else It's like you have to commit, commit, but then also just got to do it too. It's still just ultra rewarding. Welcome back to the SolidWorks Born to Design podcast, a collection of inspiring stories about those who create, build, invent, and engineer new ideas into actual new products. And by the way, they all use SolidWorks. I'm your host, Cliff Medling, and I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of the Born to Design podcast, how to go from product designer to business owner. Today, I'm talking with Mark McCauley and Jesse Hahn, the founders of the Center for Advanced Design. Listen as they share some insights into how to start and run a successful design business. They also go into detail about their relationship with Mike Schultz, a para-athlete who they worked with on the design of a high-end prosthetic leg that allows Mike to compete and win many X Games competitions. So let's jump right into the interview. So at CAD, we've designed and developed over 1,800 products now that are on store shelves and catalogs all over the world. Uh, we design mainly for the marine and power sports, a lot of consumer products, and then also a medical device. And a lot of that has to do with just our location in and around the Twin Cities. We have a lot of power sports companies, obviously a lot of medical device companies in Minnesota, and then also Marine. Yeah, and to kind of build off of what Mark was saying there, 80% of our customers are men to large size companies. So we get called in when they have special projects a lot of times. So these companies can have anywhere from five to 20 engineers on staff already, but they're, do, they're used to doing their day-to-day stuff. And then we would get called in on like a, a complex surface body refresh on something or a handheld power tool or something that needs to be redesigned. And uh, so that that's what we would get called in to do. So we can handle the upfront sketch work. We provide them, you know, 14 different concepts to choose from, all sketch-based, and then if we get one of them green-lit or a couple of them are combined, then we jump in and we create the A-side surface models for them, get it to a point where we can 3D print, figure out the ergonomics, and then um, once everybody's happy, then we'll go in and we'll develop the B-side, make everything manufacturable. Are you seeing that companies are looking for outsourcing their design these days more than than having an in-house designer? Is that a change in the industry? Uh, yeah, so with what we do, we provide a service that kind of takes all the peaks and valleys for a lot of the companies. So we're obviously contractors, kind of hired guns, coming on specialty projects for one, but also if they get really busy or overwhelmed, we'll be the first ones they call. And then obviously then with the smaller companies that don't have a design or engineering department, we become their design and engineering department. Right. Yeah, a lot of times uh, we get to projects that either nobody wants to work on or <laughs> they're already late and they're looking for a solution. And one of our bad habits is, is we have a hard time saying no, so we often find ourselves in those situations. <laughs> so how did, how did you guys meet? I was about to ask you that last time. When... Yeah, for sure. So I uh, actually was working for a company and it just was experiencing some rapid growth. And um, we were outsourcing the tooling design and the tooling build. And Mark was working for the company that did the tooling for our company. And I was just in over my head and we just had a great relationship and there was a great rapport when we were working on projects together. I I was designing, he was tooling. He was also doing product design at that, but mainly focusing on the tool building. And uh, it got to a point where I just said, hey, I need some help. Did you ever think about coming over? And uh, it took a it took a lot. You know, I was meeting with him a couple times a week, and it, it took a few uh, few visits. But I, I finally talked him into it, and uh, it's just been a great relationship since then. And I I think that's one of the the keys that 
has allowed us to grow our company as fast because we, when we worked together, we always had this competition. It was like, <laughs> we'd try and outdo each other. I'd see him work on a project and do something that I've never seen before. And I'm like, man, how am I gonna outdo that? And it was just this rivalry that uh, really spurred the growth. And then that rivalry, it hasn't stopped. We've known each other now for over 20 years and it's still watching him do something. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I gotta get better. So all the way down to Model Mania here at oh, the 3D Model Mania here, Well, yeah. we, we never did it before and he jumps in the studio, he's gonna do it. I'm like, I gotta do it too. So <laughs> I beat him. So I, that was all there was to it. So. <laughs> it was pretty nerve wracking. I, so I was in there and I heard, I heard him out there talking to the, to the guy running the show and, and I just panicked. It was, I was so close to being done and yeah. Yeah, he got me. Well, as you guys started at the same time to know who walked out first. Is yeah, that, we yeah, were right yeah, next yeah. to you. So, yeah. but I mean, I think it's a, you know, kind of a, you know, take that back a little bit. This friendly competition we have, uh, it really makes us stronger and work Absolutely. faster. And so we've, we've just become faster and faster and we've trained our employees to kind of have the same type of mentality. Like, but this dude got it done in half the time. You, you know, it's just provide that friendly relationship and friendly competition. It's, it's pushing you guys to be better. Yeah, it absolutely. really is. Yeah, Mark Snyder does a great job with the model mania over there. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a fun thing, yeah. We're actually going to go back. Uh, we talked to him about getting the models, and we're going to have our own employees do that as well. Well, if you wait, he actually does a video after the conference every year and shows you how to do them. <laughs> so maybe you don't well, want to tell them that. We don't want to tell them yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but he goes through the, the whole piece. I definitely want to touch on your relationship with Mike Schultz, and, and maybe you would do a better, one of you would do a better job at telling his story, backstory, and how you got involved with that project. Yeah, Mike Schultz, um, he's a professional athlete, pro rider, racing snowcross, jumped up to pro class, racing some of the best guys in the world. And one of the races in, in Michigan, he had an accident, bad get off on the sled, and then um, a couple of unfortunate circumstances that led to him having to have his leg amputated above the knee. Mike is just, uh, he's just a problem solver. That's, that's what he does. And um, having that mindset in a competitor, that's all he could think about is how am I gonna get back on my bike? So right away he started developing the concept of a prosthetic that would basically be suspension for his leg. So there's a lot of prosthetics out there that focus on walking and um, it just, you can't get them wet. You know, and it just wasn't gonna work for snowcross application. So within seven months, he had a prototype built and he was ready to compete in X Games. So X Games was a, was a timing deal. So X Games came out with their first adaptive motocross, and that really was the catalyst that uh, drove him to jump in and figure out how to get his leg to a point where he could compete. And, he and this up, was just seven months after his accident? Seven months after his accident. That's yep. crazy. And uh, so he, he ended up coming out with a silver medal. And, and from that point on, it was like, all right, let's, let's try this thing in snowcross. Let's see how this happens. And it just, it, it just worked. So now, now, at what point did he reach out to you guys to, to work on design? You know, I, I grew up racing snowcross and motocross, not at the pro level like Mike, obviously, but uh, so I knew who Mike was, and uh, we had a mutual friend make the connection, so he had got to a point where he needed a 3D model. At this point, he was just hand-sketching everything wow. on graph paper, taking it to a machine shop, and talking somebody into figuring it out for him, <laughs> so Mike is, uh, he's an inventor, and he's just, uh, he's just one of those guys that can figure things out. He wasn't a typical customer for us. Most customers will come to us with an idea and say, now you figure it out. 
but Mike would come in and he knew exactly what he wanted. We were getting direction like, I need this one and a half degrees and two millimeters longer. And so it made it our job really easy. We were basically just modeling the parts for him. And then um, we were leveraging the tools to figure out how to keep this thing as light as possible while making it strong enough. So we were using FEA a lot. He's got a real tight space and there's a lot of things trying to fit in there. So collision detection was a huge one for us because we were able to cycle it through and keep everything nice and tight so it would fit in a boot form. Excellent. So we came up with the idea early on with working with Mike to also create three aluminum extrusions for the leg and the ankle and the foot. These aluminum extrusions pulled about 80% of the machining out of the product compared to machining like a billet piece of aluminum. Okay. And that brought the cost down where they needed to be. And that was important because he had plans not only to outfit himself and do competitions, but he saw there was a big need with other adeptive athletes that needed this leg also. So fast forward, he sold, I think, over 500 units now. You know, he was in the, the Paralympics, and uh, there was a lot of people that were competing. In fact, I think there's 15 athletes in the Paralympics that used his leg to compete. Wow. Yeah, for them, I think from many different countries, and the medal count total, I think, was 11 between gold, silver, and bronze. So he talks about he was the perfect person for the job as far as like his past experience before the accident, racing, competitor, garage engineer type guy. Right. But then also he knew an awful lot about suspension and you know adjusting shocks and everything like that. So everything about suspension he was just you know keyed in on. Oh, he knew that because of some of the all the, the motorsports, yeah, all the yeah, motorsports, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, what you uh, call him a garage engineer? Well, that, I, like that I term. That's cool. don't even like the word garage engineer for this guy. <laughs> I mean, as far as engineers, I'd put him just about toe to toe with anybody. You know, when it comes to designing and then saying this is what the product needs to do, I need you know thirty percent more uh, impact resistance out of this portion. Right. He, he knows what it is, and when we talked to him, we we would never know what it feels like to wear one of these legs. Right, exactly. So between him and the other adaptive athletes that wear these things, it has to be comfortable, number one. Performance, it's got to be the highest level of performance. And um, he'll come to us and say, well, okay, this part right here, you know, this part had bent, and we needed to make this part a little bit, you know, stronger, more rigid here. So we use the tools within SolidWorks, a lot of the simulation tools, things like that, to keep the parts as absolutely lightweight as possible while keeping the same rigidity or actually increasing. So he may say, I can't add any more than two ounces to this thing, but we need a 30% more you know, rigid or you know, okay, yeah. Yeah. It's just certain areas. So it's all machined so we can have you know different wall thicknesses and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah, and I just wanted to expand on how easy it was to work with Mike because uh, we're getting that data that we don't usually get from our customers. I right. mean, he's telling us exactly what he needs and, and we're not trying to guess and figure out what they want. I mean, it was, he made it real easy for us. And it must be fun working with him. I mean, somebody who's, you know, well, it's famous in his world, but it also, it's exciting to see him succeed, right? In the sports. Yeah, so Jesse followed his career as a pro athlete even before. And then oh, after- Oh, you did, so you did know about him before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, follow motocross or snowcross like Jesse did. But now to see him on talk shows like Conan O'Brien and just, I mean, he's been on the full circuit of talk shows and seeing him obviously, in the, you know, Paralympics, seeing all of the TV in our area, you know, like the local news, there seems to be a story about him in the newspaper or, or the local yeah. news at least twice a year. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty neat. And it's great that he hasn't let that fame go to his head. He's a pretty down to earth guy, great guy. And he's obviously helping others. 
you know, in his situation, he could keep these secrets to himself, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy how soon he pivoted to that, and it's it's more about helping other people now with him. And he's just a down to earth, nice guy. I mean, he he would come down for design reviews, and he'd call me beforehand and say, well, "Are we going mountain biking? Or are we going dirt biking <laughs> after the design review?" So it, it's just uh, he would he would take me out to the single track mountain bike trail and whoop up on me, and then I can't even hold a candle to him on a dirt bike. I mean, he is just he's just naturally talented or whatever yeah. whatever he does. Yeah. He's just one of those guys that's good at everything, just you know. Great athlete, yeah, exactly, excellent. So, what's next for you guys? What's the big goal? Well, so we we actually own three separate companies now. So, CAD is our design firm. First of all, no one had ever taken the name CAD, so we have CAD Incorporated is actually the name of our wow. company. Uh, yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah. <laughs> then five years later, we decided to start up a manufacturing wing of our company, and we wanted to separate that from our design side. So we started looking. We thought Center for Advanced Machining. CAM Incorporated, no one had ever taken that. So now we have the names CAD Incorporated and CAM Incorporated. So our manufacturing side, we're doing an awful lot with that right now. We do a lot of tool design, that's kind of my background. So we do a lot of you know, mold design and uh, using you know, SOLIDWORKS tools again. Injection molds, thermoform molds, roto, blow molding, whatever it takes. We do between 40 and 60 molds each year. Right. And then from there, we started to get requests from our customers to just produce parts. So we will have the molds will actually produce you know, high volumes of parts. We have a, a small warehouse now where we'll just do like order fulfillment and that kind of stuff. So that's our manufacturing side. And then our other business that we're involved in is called Lidboss. And Lidboss is our first product that we're launching of, of our own, right? Okay. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. We officially launched in about the first of the year, and what it is, it's a touchless lid dispenser. So you wave your hand in front of this machine, and then a single clean lid comes out. The lids you'd have for like a coffee cup or a soda oh, okay. lid. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Instead of having like the big stack of lids that everybody grabs at, they grab two or three on accident, and they touch them and they put them back. Right, right. right? We wanted a solution for, you know, obviously for sanitation, but also just kind of tidy up the area where the people are grabbing lids and putting them back and there's, and, and there's so many companies using lids right you go to every, how many coffee shops do we have right and there's a lot of consumer waste also so that's kind of been a big deal of ours too is to watch you know wastefulness on the lids but we found out from a lot of the convenience stores and quick service restaurants is that they end up losing about 20 percent or more of their lid inventory to mm. just people throwing them away so if you do grab on accident three or four you grab the one you need they just take the other two and throw them away. Now these lids can cost between three and a half and eight and a half cents. I mean, they're not free. So we ended up making a machine that has a very short return on investment for, for the companies. And we really like the, the sanitation solution side of it as well. Exactly, with, yeah, that's great. With obviously viruses going around. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, we're getting a lot of uh, lot of people calling. So we're beta testing all over the country right now with a lot of uh, large companies. We're really excited about that. So it's going to be a big year for that. That's great. That's great. So you guys, yeah, and we, and, and we touched on that again. You guys took a leap of faith to start your own design business. Mm -hmm. And how many years later, seven years later now, you, you have three businesses and you have your own product going yep. to market. That's that's pretty impressive. And uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it along the way. You know, there's a lot of hours, a lot of stress, but that's just what we're kind of equipped for anyway. You know, we just, we enjoy that and uh it's always kind of the next big customer, the next big project. We get very excited. In fact, this week we just brought in, I can't you know, name everything about the customer or the project, of course. Right, right. But right before we came to the show, when we were prepping for the show, and we also <laughs> brought in some dream projects for a design firm. Hopefully, maybe next year we can talk a little more about them, but uh, 
it's it's pretty darn cool. Uh, that's that's exciting. So, what would your advice be for somebody in your shoes eight years ago, thinking about going out on their own? What would the advice that you guys would give them? Yeah, it's a great question. I would just say be ready to work. Just jump in and learn software. That's the biggest thing that we look for in employees is if you are someone that is out there trying to teach yourself different software, whether it's, it doesn't need to be 3D modeling software. If it's, if you're learning Photoshop, if Photoshop relates because we use that when we're adding, cleaning logos to put them on models and stuff like that. If you're a go-getter and you're out there and you're self-taught, that's the kind of motivated people we're looking to bring on board. That would be the main thing and just be, be ready to work. We talk about it all the time too when we're, when we're interviewing people that are coming in. If you have a project example that really shows your capability, that's not a canned sample or, a, or something that is from a school, that goes to the top of the list for us. That resume is on the top for sure. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, just was saying about the, uh, the school and, and what we saw a lot of was people bringing in resumes and we knew they were the examples from the book for the school that they went to, right? So <laughs> they would have, here's my four examples, and the next person, here's my four examples. We know what school they went to. You know, before yeah. they would never even have to look at the resumes because it was always the same thing. And then we had one guy, I'm thinking of our one employee, Chris Will. The first time we interviewed him, he brought in a jump drive with CAD model, and he had examples too. And he's like, well, here's something else. Plugged in a computer, it was in SolidWorks, we pulled it up, and he had designed an entire RC car most of it was like reverse engineered off of you know one that he had, but everything down to suspension, working suspension, you know, like lights out. This is the guy, you know, and, yeah, and he was, he was the guy. That was years ago that we we had interviewed him, and we weren't wrong about that. <laughs> that's exactly the person we want. And and if anybody, it's you know, especially younger people, like Jesse said, learn the software, be willing to work. If you're going to start your own design firm, please do. I mean, it could be life changing, and you know, it can be great, but. Expect the first couple of years, 12 to 14 hour days. You gotta know what it's gonna do to your sleep schedule, your family schedule, your health. I mean, everything else. It's like you have to commit, commit, but then also just gotta do it too, you know? Right, right. Because what we did, what, 19 years ago, or when we made the decision, now we're not working any less now. It's just kind of a different way that we you know, work. It's still just ultra rewarding. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we joke about that. At the end of the day, we'll be sitting there and we're just exhausted. We're just like, oh, can you believe that we just had the day we had? And it's like, well, we're, we're tired and we're, we're shot. But at the same time, if we worked at another company, we'd be exactly the same way. That's just how we're <laughs> wired. We're not going to, you know, take it easy. So um, there's really no other option for us. So <laughs> we might as well be here and, and doing it for ourselves. And do so. it for your, your, your own business. Yeah. So, so a couple more questions. Uh, what, what are the biggest challenges? So the biggest challenge is, uh, as the owner of a design firm, it's, it's definitely time and people. We love the people that uh, we work with. We have a lot of full-time employees and then contractors, and we move the time around. I guess this is the best way to put it. <laughs> time is like you have a certain amount of time in the day. Let's just say you're going to work a 10-hour day. You know exactly how much you can make in that day because you have an hourly bill rate. So then the only way to grow your business is to add more people. If you're going to add more people, you have to add more time to do sales to keep those people busy, right? Right, right. So there's that. And there's always this give and take between how much time do we spend trying to find new projects, how much time do we work, you know, spend working. Because you guys so, enjoy designing, We right? enjoy designing. And, and, but you do have to do the sales portion. You do have to, you know. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. And we, we don't have any sales people. So we're kind of doing that on our own. 
and luckily everything's kind of been word of mouth, and we've been very and fortunate. people are coming to you, yeah. yeah. yeah a lot of times, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's always new prospects and stuff like that. And either way, there's, there's a lot of uh, work that has to be brought in to keep all of our employees busy. Yeah. So we've had to find uh, creative ways to make money. On top of a design firm, which has been very successful, the 3D printing, we have a prototype kind of lab area, still kind of tied to our CAD side, our design side. We prototype just about everything that we design and at different stages. And so there's 3D printing, we just call it prototyping, but a lot of you know, CNC machining of parts. We have that as another way to make income. And you know, when we're not there, the 3D printers or the CNC machines can keep running. They're still running, yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah, that's, you know, everyone knows what that means. When something's running, you're obviously making money. And the other creative way is obviously starting up our manufacturing wing and you know finding other jobs like that where sometimes we're just doing buy-sell type stuff where there's people just have a need. They want us to manage the inventory, and we do that. And we have just a few people that are bringing the products in, managing the warehouse, doing order fulfillment, that kind of stuff. So just be creative with how you do business and be creative with how you make money. Excellent. I'll throw this one out there that I always like to ask this question. It's like, well, what's the future of design? What do you think is going to change in the future? Is it, like some people say, collaboration is changing or, you know. Yeah. So it seems it, like Jesse's getting the tougher questions. No, no, it's all good. I like <laughs> that. Well, uh, there, it's kind of like a short-term, long-term question. So short-term, I got a low-hanging fruit one right away, but Mark turned me on to this. Um, I used to carry my laptop with me all the time. Just because of all my, I keep my email on there separate, and then I would run my PC to run SolidWorks and and all my other design programs. So, um, recently switched over to an iPad. So the new iOS has uh, mouse capability for Bluetooth, and it's just convenient. Like this is actually funny. It's our first trip where I didn't bring my laptop. I brought an iPad oh, here. Yeah. And I, I can't do that. Yet. I felt naked getting on the airplane. It was just didn't feel right. But yeah, I got through the weekend here and I got everything I need. I was able to pull all the files I needed. And uh, it's just a convenient light way to handle everything. And I've got some specific examples that I need when I know I'm going to talk to somebody. I set those up in my photos folder and uh, it's going to be kind of my go-to when we're doing sales call stuff. And then save the design stuff for back in the office. But I mean, the new pen is, sketches really well on the iPad as well. So it's something short-term that I'm, I'm enjoying and uh, I'm gonna leave the long-term one up to you. Yeah, so the future of design, I don't think we're ever gonna get away from the idea people. I mean, there's always like the catalyst that right. sparked and needs the idea. And we kind of all know that we'll be communicating in different ways, we, that's pretty obvious. The design may be a little bit different, obviously with like the 3D experience platform and X-Shape and X-Design, more of the um, subdivisional modeling, push-pull technology. That stuff's great. And there'll always be those tools and these tools. The toolbox is so massive at this point right, that exactly. we can, there's nothing we can't do. There's nothing that most people can't do. Jesse said of the early on in the, in the podcast that we're, you know, we have a hard time saying no. There's really no reason to say no at this point. You know, we have all the tools and the talents and the people right now to pretty much do whatever we want. It's everything is becoming just is being able to be done faster and more efficient, and communication collaboration. But I really think the uh, the, the future is going to be a lot the same. It's going to be still that person that has to have the idea, the entrepreneur that's going to come to us as an inventor, someone that watches, watches a lot of Shark Tank or something like that. You know, <laughs> exactly. you know there's going to be that person that just call, makes the phone call. Uh, in fact, just you know, yesterday we were at the show. I got a call from a woman that um, she had an idea for a product and she's given our name through somebody else. And I don't know what the invention was. I, I told her right away that, you know, we'd be happy to help her, but 
honestly, you know, here's all our bill rate and, you know, go to the back of Craigslist and you can find a lot of people because she mentioned she didn't have a lot of money. And I was saying, well, okay, so for what you're trying to do, you can find people on Craigslist and they're going to have, you know, they're going to work for $20 an hour on nights and weekends. You know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs doing that. They're just working on nights and weekends doing this. So trying to just, you know, help her in the right direction. And then, of course, then I told her, give us a call if you need anything else. You know, I'm, I'm, I've never met the lady, but if it's just a quick little five-minute phone call, we would be happy to send you in the right direction. Right. And so, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of that still. And, yeah, I'd like to expand on that a little bit, um, what Mark was saying about the, the tools. So, yeah, we're relatively new to X-Shape and X-Design. I've done 15 projects now on X-Shape, and only two of those were kind of startup projects that weren't customer-based. But I think that is going to be the future. Instead of everything just being inside of one program, you're going to have these tools that you can reach out and use. And there's specific projects where X-Shape, for instance, just jump-starts the project. I can think of two projects we've done recently, and it was something that would maybe have taken me, you know, one and a half to two days in, in traditional SOLIDWORKS, but it was a, it was a travel bag, a gear bag for like a motocross style gear bag. And uh, I was able to knock that model out in half of a day. And I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, Mark, you got to come over here and look at this. It's ready to put in front of the customer in half a day. So not all projects are going to be such a perfect fit for one tool. So it's going to be important to have all these different tools in your tool belt and know when to use them. So I I definitely think that's going to be the future and it's just expand the capability. Excellent. Any final thoughts you guys want to add? I want to thank everybody here at the 3D Experience world, everyone, of course, at, at SolidWorks, Dassault Systems. So our whole company runs off of SolidWorks. Like our livelihood depends on SolidWorks. We've said that many times, not only us, but our employees and a lot of our customers. We're very dependent on the software. So, you know, we see wherever SolidWorks is moving, you know, the, into the 3D Experience platform and everything else, we just know we're going to be in lockstep with SolidWorks. And we're really looking forward to the future. Excited about the future. That's great. That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. And remember that if you're looking to quickly create and collaborate on 3D conceptual designs and organic shapes using cloud-based tools and deliver innovative products to market faster, check out our 3D experience products. To learn more, go to SolidWorks.com slash 3DXTools. That's SolidWorks.com slash 3DXTools. We'll be back again soon with more great Born to Design podcast stories at SolidWorks.com slash podcast or wherever podcasts are readily available. Until then, keep innovating. I really hope that what you heard today has inspired you. If you enjoyed it, head on over to iTunes, search for the Born to Design podcast, and please leave us a five-star review so that this podcast will be recommended to more people, helping us expand the Born to Design community. Thank you.